experienced in these blackouts, blackouts, stretches of time that you can't account for. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. This is your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined virtually by my trusty co-host and first officer, Mr. Mason Schrader. Mason, it's been a while. How How is life treating you, my friend? Oh, it's fine. You know, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm here. My face is red and my arms are white, so... That's a good sign. It's a, it's summer and that's bad it's bad news. Bad for, news for Mason. For somebody who's got the complexion of a porcelain doll. For someone who's a ghoul, uh, summer's probably yep. not the best time for you. No, because mm. I like layers. Here's the thing, I love layers. Yes. And then I moved to Los Angeles and I quickly mm-hmm. realized it's not my life anymore. Yeah, it sucks. That sucks. Because I'm I, know. I have yeah. to now I have to learn how to just wear one shirt and I I don't I genuinely don't know how to do it's, it impossible i i yeah i don't know i don't understand how people just do it i'm like how does this even well you know what my honestly my Mm go-to is and this is going to be a seamless transition is a hungry ghost press tee tucked in yes to my pants yeah Uh, that's my favorite because their shirts uh they do this thing where it makes my up my shoulders look Mm -hmm. broad but my waist looks skinny they do fit very well i really like their clothes so we have to give a shout out to Hungry Ghost Press. We've I feel like we've definitely mentioned them a thousand times on this show. They're mm-hmm. a little clothing brand from uh, Rhode Island, and um, they've been my favorite clothing brand for years. Yes. And Jose comes in and he becomes best friends with them, <laughs> and I'm not even mad about it. Okay, I'm not mad that you that they love you now, and I'm the you wouldn't even know they exist unless I had shown them to you. To be but fair, it's fine. I did tell them 100. percent uh, so what happened was uh, I've Mason put me on Hungry Ghost Press uh, b- when I went to college, and um, we started hanging out. And I have I've I've bought a couple of their stuff, and well, more than a couple I'd say. And I took a trip a little bit ago with some friends. Anyway, I took some pictures in one of their shirts. And every once in a while, if I really like a picture, I'm like I'm gonna tag the brand in this because you know, sure maybe yeah, they'll repost it. it or at least it's on their radar. And they'll be like, hey, cool, cool picture. Thanks for supporting us, whatever. Yeah, for sure. And um, they did exactly that. And they were like, hey, we really like this picture. We're going to repost it. I was like, cool, yeah, go ahead, uh, go for it. And then they were like, thanks for supporting us. And I just was like, hey, me and my co-host, we love your brand. He put me on it a couple years ago. Uh, You guys are killing it. And they were like, awesome. We're going to send you some stuff. And I'll have to maybe like uh, – post some pictures of the stuff they sent us but they sent us uh they sent mason a shirt and sent me a hoodie and this really cool towel that says uh angels fear me demons want to be me um and they have just been super awesome and super friendly and if you guys like the best way i can do i describe it as punk clothing (coughs) because it's not quite goth Mm -hmm. but it's got a lot of of death oriented i describe it as if you like our podcast 
yeah. they're a clothing, they're our podcast as a clothing brand, you know, their like shit, our, yeah, their shit is punk as hell. Like, it's so our punk. like kind of like spooky antique aesthetic that we were, that we're trying to go for. They have nailed, uh, yeah, for they're years. so good at and, it. And it, the fact they're the criminally art is underrated. So, exactly. And yeah. again, 100% they're not paying us for this, but I just, I, no. I really want people to, to, to be more aware of them. Kind of do and I kind of don't, but uh, just they deserve well, yeah, it. Well, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm they're sick awesome. of their stuff selling out, but yeah. they're great, and they're, I've, we've never, well, Jose has talked to their Instagram mm-hmm. person. I've never met them, but they're all, they post a lot of really cool community active, uh, active yes, stuff yeah. for their plays. They seem like just great people when and we, support their stuff. It's so cool. When we inevitably do... Our Captain's Log road trip that Mason and I are gonna have to oh, take. Oh, for sure. And yeah. Probably drag Cheyenne along. Right. On, uh, we're gonna have to stop at their uh, Providence uh, store for sure. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's and, like a pil- it's like a religious pilgrimage. For me <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the other uh, people that I want to shout out is our Georgia listeners because we've been on a little hiatus and I don't know who it is out there or how many of you it is out there. But Georgia has kept us in business while we've been uh, out. Uh, they have been like our top top downloads the last two months. So whoever's listening out in Georgia, thank you. Thank you. And this episode is dedicated to you. We're not going to mention your state at all Georgia? past this because <laughs> uh, we've already covered it. But uh, thank you. Uh, Mason, I hope that uh, speaking of of clothing, I hope that today. You're wearing your legend hunting underwear because we're back on our Unsolved U.S. Urban Legend series. And uh, this time, we are covering the two states of Wyoming and Montana. The cowboy and the cowgirl state. (laughs) Yeah. That's one of them's the cowboy state. One of them is the cowboy state. And I don't know which one. Uh, It's It's one one of those two. You're going to find out. Yay. So we're going to be taking a look at three urban legends from each state. Uh, and um, I don't like to shit talk the quality <laughs> of legends that come from states. A hot start. Uh, but let's just say some of them, one of these states has some really exciting and, and really kind of fun and interesting legends. And the other one uh, definitely provided stuff for the episode. I will just say that. Um, it was a bit of a tough one with Montana. If And if any Montana listeners are, are listening right now like, well, you missed the legend of the great. Cool. Please email us in and we will come back and cover it again because uh, I couldn't find much for this, the, the uh, Montana portion. Um, but anyway, Mason, start up that mystery hog and let's head on north from Utah and Colorado diving into some spookiness. I'm putting on my little my little leather cap. I'm putting on my <laughs> Oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it usually puts us side to side, so this will Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Find yourself in Wyoming. Call for your free Wyoming vacation planner. We begin in the Cowboy State of Wyoming, with a very oh, non. He was the, he was Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, we're starting with a very non-cowboy legend. Mason, there's something I must admit to you. Something that I've probably never admitted on this podcast, but I, I've definitely alluded to. I love pirates. 
I fucking love pirates, man. Like anything so I, pirate related, I eat that shit up. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But after looking at your haircut and your earrings, <laughs> it does make a lot of mm-hmm. sense. To, this year is definitely the, the, the sort of pirate inspired year for Jose. I'll say that. I'm, oh, I shaved my beard. Yeah. It was a mistake. Now I'm just going to let it grow as big as it can be. Yeah. yeah, which is not very big, but you know, we're gonna okay. we're gonna do you it. You got kind of that like swashbuckler goatee, like naturally. I did. I did. I was doing a goatee for a bit, uh, and then I forgot I don't have a jawline. While this first legend doesn't explicitly mention pirates, it, it's in that ballpark, and I, I just would imagine I not because I'm pretty sure Wyoming doesn't touch the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird that this is gonna be pirate. Related. It's weird that it's get yeah. Mm-hmm. Seamason between Torrington and Alcova on the Platte River, a ship is often spotted. A ship that the locals have come to call the Ship of Death. This ship does not belong to this time. It looks like something straight out of a Jerry Bruckheimer film. The stories all sound the same. The witness will spot what they believe to be a ship rising from a strange mist on the river. The strange mist will become a thick ball of fog upon further inspection. As they strain to get a better look, the witness will notice that the sails and masts are covered in frost, and the crew, who all stand huddled around a body covered by a sheet, are also caked in a thin layer of frost. The crew will shuffle around until the captain calls for the sheet to be lifted, and that is when the true horror sets in. For when the sheet is lifted, it reveals a frightening sight. The body belongs to a loved one whose ticket has been called, as they will die that day. The sightings began. Yep. Wait. So the body under the sheet is it's a it's it's a it's a, it, like a like a modern day. It'd be like I would like I'd be there and I'd see like you. Yes. Yeah. It'd be like that's Jose underneath mm-hmm. that sheet. And and that means I'm dead. I'm gonna die. Okay. So thanks a lot, Mason. Well, but I didn't see you on. I don't even live on a river. Yeah, but it. But thanks. If you do see me there, great. Now I'm fucking dead. Will you have time to? No. Like, are they dead no. when you see them, or are do you like, or like, does it, or do they die mm-hmm. soon after? Mm-hmm. Soon after, but you can't stop it. I don't think. I bet I could. You probably could actually. I could. You, you're That's crafty good. enough that you could. If I saw you, I'd I'd stop the death. I'd stop it. I'd get on that boat, and I'd I'd get on that boat, and I'd pick up your body, and, and I'd then hoist it'd be like, you onto I need my a back. Hero. Yeah, I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. I'd swing in on and a rope, and I'd, I'd unsheath my sword, and I'd, I'd battle back the dead frosty pirates. I need a hero. And then I'd I'd, I'd lift you I up on this, this arm, and I'd be like, ding, 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 we need to, and then I'd get up on the bow, and I'd look over my shoulder and be like, not today, death pirates. And then I'd cut a sail and, or that hero. thing where I'd, and then I'd like swing uh-huh. off of it. Yeah. yeah, we need we need to do a, a yearly Captain's Log special and we're going to film this. I'll be like, I'll even be in like the little damsel dress, you know, like the little like <laughs> Kira Knightley like corset. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That'll be good. See, this, I will too, though. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I'll we're squashing you in the gender same dress. Yeah. Yes. The sightings began in 1862. When a trapper named Leon Weber was tending his traps near the river one day, when a mist settled all over the water, thickening as it rolled towards him. As it grew closer, it began to take the shape of a ship, 
seemingly covered, but perhaps also made, of ice. He noticed that there was a crew of men on board, all gathered around, glancing down at something on the deck. As he got closer to the water, he quickly realized where they were huddled around was a human body. His heart began racing, and when they took the covers off, it took away his breath. There on the deck lay his fiancée, who, to his knowledge, had been alive and well, yet there she was, clear as day, dead and cold, upon the deck. Upon returning to his home a month later, he would learn the unfortunate news, that his beloved had perished the same day of his sighting. So. Okay, mm. uh, sure, but that was also, I mean... Mm. Okay, so, mm, okay. you know... It, it's not over. I know, but you know how when... Have you, have you ever had, like, a relative die, and mm. then somebody... Uh, or know of somebody who died, and then, like, a like a relative has kind of been, like, a little crazy about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just feel like it's that kind mm. of thing. The thing of where, like, oh, this person died, and then someone will be like, the same day that they died, I saw this. And you're like, did yeah. you know, or are you just grieving, you know? Right, yeah. 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 Moving forward 25 years, a cattleman by the name of Gene Wilson was in the North Platte country when he also witnessed a mist form and move across the water. Confused, he moved closer and saw what Weber had all those years ago, a ship, crew and all upon the water. As Wilson peered closer, he too saw a woman. But it was not just any woman, it was Wilson's beloved wife, strangely scarred as if burned in a fire. According to the stories, Wilson would rush home to find his house burned to the ground with his wife a couple of feet from the home, seemingly succumbing to her burns after dragging herself out of the home. It's a pretty gnarly sight. I'm not going to lie to you. That's uh, It's pretty badass. It sucks for him, but it's pretty badass. That is... Yeah, <sighs> yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not cool, but it, like, it's cool. It's a cool... Like, if I saw that in a movie, I'd be like, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. The last sighting I'll mention is that of Victor Hype, who in 1903 was chopping down a tree on his Riverside property when he too spotted the ship and its crew. He saw the face of a close male friend on the corpse, who would also go on to die that day. I want to say close male friend in quotations here, because you know how like every time it's like, the, it's clearly like two men were like lovers history will always be like, and they were inexplicably the closest of friends. They would do everything. And you're like, oh, okay. But they, but historians don't want to be like, several times taking naps together all through the night. Yeah. But holding each other close in an embrace of manly affection. And it's like, yeah, okay, we got it. Yeah. But, but but historians like refuse to admit that like gay people existed in history. So they're like, they're just a couple of gal pals. And you're like, "Mm, okay. Um, According to some, there have been countless more sightings, which are tracked by the Cheyenne Bureau of Psychological Research, which I think is interesting. Uh, And they seem to take place during the fall. So if you're thinking of going out in search of this ghostly ship, that's the time to be there. But beware, lest you see the face of your loved ones, cold as ice on their way to Davy Jones' locker. What say ye, Mason? Spooky or kooky? 
pretty good pyre voice, if you ask me. I just knew that when you said kooky, it was going to sound like cookie. Cookie. Yeah, yeah, because it always does, you know? Yeah. Cookie. Sounds like Mr. Krabs is saying cookie, you know? Yeah, yeah. SpongeBob, me boy, pass me that cookie. (laughs) You really drag out the O. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I would say that's kind of spooky because that's very... I think that's pretty spooky. Especially because it's, it's like, why is there a pirate ship? Or, you know, an old ship, old-timey ship on a river in a landlocked state. I just like it because it's very it's very out of the ordinary for all of a lot of... You know what I mean? It's not that yes. kind of thing. Uh, it, this is a very special... Uh, um, uh, the thing that it is. Yeah, it's, this. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking, I, words just left me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's a very uh, special kind of urban legend. It's not like um, formulaic or cliche. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's all to its own. And it's not, in, it's not in, inherently spooky as in like, oh, it's going to hurt me. It's like, oh, that's creepy. Like, like that's I don't want to see someone i love and then oh they're dead it, i do have some logistical questions sure. like is it like a full-on pirate ship it seems you know who knows if it's a pirate ship but i well, think but you know what like a galleon yeah it's like is a it big like, okay. ship yeah oh it's a galleon so where is like the bank because it kind of seems like if you're on the edge of a river it'd be really hard to see up on top of the deck of a mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. ah and so, but so, but then you for know? them to take off a sh- <laughs> like, so for you to be able, to, it just seems like that's like a lot so, to have to try okay, to like so make out for, in for detail. some for some versions of the stories that I read, um, the body is like hoisted up, and then it's Ooh. lowered down a ways, and then they take off the sheet. So I'm assuming it's not like on the deck. Okay. Maybe maybe it's, it's a like, little bit raised. It's like hung, it's like hung up. Like yeah, vertical. I don't know because they. Would I thought that it was like laying down, but it would have to right. be hanging up for you to see the face, unless right. they've got binoculars. Unless okay, which so maybe a trap like, or okay. wood. Maybe okay, but maybe it's like so you got like a noose and you know and the sheet the, on oh, top. Oh, so the and last. And then you like go down and then they mm-hmm. pull the thing off and then it's like one version of the last guy's story. Um. The one who saw his close male friend did say that he saw him hanging, like gallows style, um, ah. because he uh, was uh, hung or, or was in jail or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not that kind of hung. Um, but um, I only saw that mentioned one place, so I was like, I don't gotcha. think it's fair. You know, I was going to repeat it, but um, yeah, I okay. don't know. I think it's spooky, though. I like it. I do too. This story involves two amateur miners who were searching for gold, but found something much more rare. It is no secret that we love tales of little fairy or impish creatures here on Captain's Log. It's because I am one. We, yeah, I'm a we've established this. Yeah. Yes. We've yeah. literally just, I think one time I called you a troll. You were yeah, like, I'm like a, a troll. Little... And I was like, you are a troll. That's a little more hurtful. I, yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. I like the term goblin mm-hmm. or... Um, Gnome. You would be a good dwarf. I would be a good dwarf. I'm Mm. hardy. Yeah. Anyway. Natural born sprinter. Mm -hmm. So we've we've literally just covered one on the last episode of this series. uh, And now we're doing it again. This time, our legend does not come from overseas like with the Tommyknockers, but rather originates here in our homeland. Well. Well, your homeland, I guess. Well, Eh. actually... (laughs) Not quite, but yeah, I yes. guess. 
Many Native American tribes have their own tales of little people, who usually stand from 20 inches to 3 feet. It's like right around your height, isn't it, Mason? <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. That's actually, it is my homeland because I am a descendant of one of these native little people that mm-hmm. used to run yeah. around and terrorize people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To some tribes, they are known as the little people eaters. Yeah. To the Shoshone of Wyoming, they are called the Numerigar. The legend of the Numerigar tells of a race of little people who lived deep in the forests and high upon the mountains. They as, would attack... As is the one of most... Uh, fabled little people. Mm -hmm. They would attack the local tribes with tiny bows and deadly poison arrows. Adorable. The Nemerigar were cruel and cunning. When one of their own would grow sick or old, they would kill them with a swift blow to the head. Many might just write this legend off as pure folklore, but there may be some evidence that would give this legend legitimacy. See, it all begins with the Pedro Mountains mummy a 14-inch, fully-formed mummy. The Pedro Mountains mummy, nicknamed Pedro, was found in 1932 by two men who were mining for gold in the San Pedro Mountains. About I would have called him Pedro Quito. That's very good. Uh, about <laughs> that was that's I'm not we're not we're not describing that that's only for our Spanish listeners. Yeah, yeah. About 60 miles southwest of Casper, Wyoming. After working a rich vein of gold, they grew tired of running into more and more rock. So, Cecil Maine and Frank Carr decided to use dynamite to blast a section of rock off in hopes of reaching more gold. I love these assholes that found gold, which uh-huh. was, like, very hard to do. And they were just like, you fucking rocks, am I right? Yeah. And it's like, motherfuckers, that's what you do. Your They're job like, I don't want to break... work for it, though. Yeah, I, I fucking... Ugh. Honestly, kind of typical of this generation, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, the 1800s uh, m- miners had they had no work ethic. No. They just showed up and expected gold to be handed to them. Really, though? Yeah. Sick. Always on their in their covered wagons with their pickaxes. Yeah. Always on their books. No, wait. Most of them couldn't read. Always, Always. with their sticking hoops. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> but... but <laughs> You darn kids! You and your sneaking hoops. Whatever. Uh, healthcare should be free. Always writing their penny farthings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Had no respect. Yeah. But what they instead found was a passage that had seemingly been sealed off to the outside world. This cavern was a four foot tall and 15 feet long cave. Inside, they would find a small pygmy like man sitting cross legged on a ledge. The mummy was only about six inches tall in its seated position and estimated to be 14 inches when standing. Its skin was brown and wrinkled, its nose flat and forehead low and flat, heavy-lidded eye, or, or its forehead was low and flat with heavy-lidded eyes and a very wide mouth and thin lips. It had seemingly been so well preserved by the weather conditions so much so that the fingernails could still be seen on its hands. It looks like Dobby. It does look a little bit like Dobby, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. The men would take their discovery to Casper, and scientists from all over would flood into the city to try to determine the legitimacy of the find. Many believed it was a hoax, but x-rays revealed that Pedro, 
possessed a fully formed man-like skeleton. The test also showed that the mummy had suffered a violent death. The spine was damaged, a collarbone broken, and a heavy blow had smashed the skull. Does that sound well, that familiar? Was, that was the mummy of a baby who fell off of a thing. Mm. Mm. That was 100% the mummy of a baby mm-hmm. that died. Sure, okay. After the test... 100%. Mm, after the test, scientists hypothesized that the mummy was a fully grown adult, approximately mm. 65 years of age at the time of death. They also found a strange thing. The teeth were all pointed, sporting a complete set of canines. The examinations are said to have been done by the American Museum of Natural History and certified genuine by the Anthropology Department at Harvard University. To be fair, though, back in the 1800s, that was just a guy, like, licking it and being like, yeah, it's all... Yeah, to be fair, back in the 1800s, that didn't mean shit, because it was just all the rich kids, you know? That tastes like a 65-year-old man. Look, look. We can prove this. Now, this is my pee-pappy. Mm-hmm. Hello. Uh, Hello. Yes. Yes. All right. Okay. Now, if you'll come over here. Okay. And here we have the mummy, okay. right? Uh, now, just give this a lick. Right. Right. Remember that taste? Nope. Uh-huh. Yes. Remember that taste. Remember it. Remember it? Mm-hmm. Remember it. Okay. Yeah, now, yeah, here's yeah. A, now, now, here's a coffee bean. That'll cleanse the palate. Go ahead and. Mm, yummy. Okay. Yes. Now, lick my, lick my pee-paw's feet. I'm sorry. Lick Peepaw's feet. He's a 65-year-old man. Lick his feet. Lick Lick my foot, boy. Suck his toes. Suck him. Yes. Good. Yes. Okay. Well, that's a bit much, but yes. Now, you'll find... That tastes the same same to me. Right? Exactly. That's the same goddamn taste. I'm... I might not be a man of science, but... It is me, William T. Harvard. Founder of Harvard, and as you can see by my experiments here... Wow. This is a 65-year-old man. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Now for my next uh, trick, <laughs> I mean science experiment. Babies, what do they taste like? We're going to find out right after these commercials. Do you have a foot ache? Take some cocaine. Science. However, other sources claim that when the University of Wyoming examined the mummy, the body was found to be that of a deceased child. The mummy was displayed in various sideshows for years before it was purchased by Casper businessman Ivan T. Goodman. When Goodman passed away in 1950, the mummy was passed into the possession of Leonard Walder, a New York businessman who died in the 80s. It has not been seen publicly since, and its current whereabouts are unknown. And we don't even really know much about Leonard Walder, if that even is the guy who it was given to. Interesting. Other skeletons of these little people seem to have been found across the U.S. Now, these claims are are disputed, I will say this. Um, But in 18... You're joking. (laughs) In 1876, but but they were documented and reported in legitimate print of the time. Res- yeah, the guy who the, the respectable print of the time. Just, anyway, yes, yeah, sure. The thing we just—you remember the bit we just did about licking the the old man? Yeah, those guys. I got it. In 1876, when a graveyard was documented as having been discovered in Coffee County, Tennessee, reports indicated that the cemetery, covering six acres of land, held the remains of thousands of dwarvish skeletons. Native Americans in the area still warn people of the tiny people eaters who are said to still inhabit the high places of Wyoming. What do you think, Mason? 
What do you think of the legend of the Nemerigar and of the Pedro mummy? Spooky or kooky? Bullshit that these people still exist. Everybody knows that if little people exist, they spend their times underground. Mm-hmm. Unless they're talking about in caves on mountains, as, as in high places, in which case, fully agreed. Yeah. Because as a little person, as a small person, I want to be up high at all times, kind of like a cat. It's my nature to perch. But I don't feel safe up there mm-hmm. unless I'm also underground. That's why dwarves live in mountains, because they want to be high, but they also want to be... Covered. Uh, covered, yes. Yeah. Again, which it like is a possible. cat. It is possible, I suppose. Now... I'm 100% sure that that was a baby skeleton. Mm, mm. 100% sure mm. that that was a baby skeleton. Mm-hmm. Because you said that they found out it was a 65-year-old man, but you didn't tell me how they did that, and I'm guessing it wasn't very scientific. I'm assuming you... I bet they found out that it had been there for 65 years. Mm. I bet they were like, well, based off of the look, it looks like it's been here for about 65 years. And they're like, he's 65 years old. See, Mason, I believe in science. I'm not like you, who's a anti-science person. So you just, based on so, what I just said to you, I'm the anti-science person. Yeah, you just, you're, you're trying to drag these scientists through the mud, which is these very... scientists. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm assuming... I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that as anthropologists, they have certain things that they do to, to carbon date uh, the age of something. I don't really know how they determine the age of things now, if I'm completely honest with you. I assume um, computers. Sure. Uh, <laughs> probably. Fuck if I know, man. You're back, you're back listening to two idiots that don't know science. Um, Jose, explain math to me one more time. So you get the numbers. <laughs> Uh-huh. I would like to offer some more information on the theory that the Pedro mummy was actually a child. Not because yeah. I necessarily believe it, but because I think it uh, is important to give the context. So Harry Shapiro was actually the one who put mm, forth the I theory. I don't like it. I don't trust anyone with the last name Shapiro anymore. No, no reason. Uh, for the obvious, yeah, for no reason. Um, he believed, though, that it was a baby suffering from anencephaly, which is a congenital disability that occurs in the womb and leads to the absence of part of the fetus's brain, skull, and scalp. If a child is born with anencephaly, it does not survive infancy. Now, today, George Gill, an anthropologist, continues to push Shapiro's theory. After a televised appearance in the 1990s, he was approached by a Native American family who presented him with the eight-inch preserved remains of a baby remarkably similar to Pedro, nicknamed Chiquita. She measured... Better name. Yes. She measured only eight inches in length, and her arms and legs were also in the same position as Pedro. She had suffered anencephaly. This, Gil believes, is evidence of Shapiro's theory. However, it was, offic- it was never officially determined that Pedro was an infant, nor that he suffered from anencephaly. So the answer as to, to whether or not there exists a pygmy race of humans in North America... It's yet to be solved. And unfortunately, we cannot determine whether or not Pedro did suffer from anencephaly or was a child. As, like I said, it has not been seen publicly since the 80s, and we do not know its current whereabouts. Now, Mason, I would ask you to please look up Chiquita, Chiquita Mummy, uh, and see if you think that that looks similar. They, it is ugly and gross, and I know that it's because it's a mummy of a small little child, but I don't like it. 
Oh no, that's horrifying. Yeah. Oh, it's little agonized face. Yeah. Uh, it does seem that most, I would say probably most modern scientists or anthropologists agree that the San Pedro mummy is like Chiquita. Sure. But right, we cause... do know that there have been evidences of smaller uh, well, that's, I was going to say, races, there are like the hobbits pygmy... of, um, that have been, you know, hobbits, but that's what they refer to them. The, they're like a missing, uh, between the Neanderthals and the Homo sapiens, like a small race. I forget the one that was found in New Zealand. I saw the skeleton when I was in Washington, yeah, D.C. I um, believe that pygmy humans were a thing. I just don't think that they were in North America, this close to us. I don't know, but I there mean, is one where, like, they found a male direct... and a female one, and they're, like, real short, like, three or four feet. Which, you know, I we mean, used to I'm be looking, short, but... It looks like... I mean, there's a there was actual, like, pygmy peoples in Africa. Yeah. Um, at least that's what Wikipedia calls... says, mm-hmm. but, I mean, they're also not, like... Uh, Look, they're not like fourteen inches long. They're I believe like in four feet. Fantastical. Three. I will say that the the legend of the the Nemerigar, uh, I do think it's kind of spooky. Like little little, it's spooky in the sense that I like it. Little little uh, yes. little people shoot me with arrows that kill me. Cool. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Gulliver's Travels. Uh, oh yeah. Um, but I I don't know. I, I'm always more of a sure. Why not? To things, and um, I believe that it's that there are things that we don't know. Possible I that I don't know if they would be that small, but I do believe that there are still races and missing links between us and oh, whatever sure. that we still haven't fully discovered. So sure, sure, yeah, whatever makes you sleep at night. Yeah. Wyoming, please God, someone live here. Mason. Have you ever heard the legend of the man who turned into shoes? Obviously not. That's a fucking crazy thing to ask me. See, there's an old urban legend. I didn't think you had. There's an old urban legend in Wyoming about an outlaw that was so fearsome and despised that he was lynched by a mob and then turned into a pair of shoes by a mad scientist. Now, I'm going to stop right here. Oh, okay. To be fair, that is... Yeah, he didn't that just poof, turn into shoes. I uh, was thinking there he was a man in Peru who dreamt that he shoes. swallowed a shoe. When he wa- <laughs> I don't know how the, the the limerick goes. There once was a man from Peru who dreamed he was eating a shoe. He woke with a fright in the middle of the night to find that his dream had come true. Whoa, you just knew that off the top of your head? Yeah, I'm genuinely very fucking uh, impressed. You get a gold star this episode. This is a Thank gold you. star for you. Yeah. Um, anyway, right there, though, spooky or kooky. Don't read anything else, just spooky or kooky. Okay, okay, spooky, because it's scary to get, uh, that's, uh, that's, the idea of somebody getting turned into shoes is kind of spooky. It is, isn't it? Leather shoes, again, they're not just, they weren't like a pile of, like, vans on the ground. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they were They weren't like Converse. No, no. They were like leather shoes. That makes more sense. I'm going to say spooky. Okay. I think it's spooky, too. And guess what, Mason? Jose, if this is the one that turns out to be fucking real with actual evidence, I'm going to... You motherfucker. You it's fucking real, Mason. God damn it, this man was we're turned opening into up, shoes. We're opening up that old Captain's Log uh, journal of strange historical figures who seem fake but were real. 
And there, today, this this and two other stories, basically. Yeah. Bookie the Jack, the Leatherman, and we talked about one last time, and I can't remember what it was. But we're adding George Parrot to it. George Parrot. George Parrot was turned into shoes. George Parrot was an outlaw. George, this is a cartoon. Fuck. George Parrot was an outlaw and the only man in American history to become a pair of shoes after his death. Hey, Cheyenne. Jose, Cheyenne left me months ago. No, 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 no. Who are you talking to? No, 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 (laughs) no. Often referred to as Big Nose George. Fuck off, Jose. Fuck off. Huge schnoz on this guy. Like, legitimately huge schnoz on this guy. He's got a parrot nose. He... Wow. I'm being genuine right now. Did not make that connection. Fuck off. God damn it. Real man, by the way. 100% historically real man. Sure. Parrot was a member of a gang of road agents and horse thieves led by a man known as Sim Jam. The gang. <laughs> sure. Sim Jam. Okay. Yeah. 100%. This no is all questions. real. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't. I feel like you think I'm leading you astray. No, this is I'm all mad real. because I know it's real. Okay. It's the. Because du- this is the dumbest yeah. names yeah. I've heard in any story, and mm. that includes the hamburger man. Yeah. And this is fucking dumber. It, yeah. Right, the George gang. Parrot and Sim Jam. God, the, the hamburger man. Like I a... fucking oh, I forget about him. Oh. Big nose George Parrot and Sim Jam sound like a fucking the cartoon relief characters in a Disney film. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, there is see them in the up and coming Pinocchio coming yes. this July. Directed know, by out. Robert Zemeckis, and it's going straight to Disney Plus. They're not even giving a theatrical release, which is fucking. I don't understand what Disney's doing. The gang would rob stagecoaches and pay wagons. And you know, uh, typical Red Dead Redemption cosplay behavior. But one day, sure. they set out to rob a train and attempted to tamper the tracks. They were caught and they fled. But they were chased down by a posse. Two lawmen found the gang hiding and were subsequently shot and killed by the outlaws. The gang, here's the thing. If you're chasing down a gang of outlaws, maybe don't pair off in twos. You know, well, I don't so know. So what did they, were they ready for a gunfight or did they just be like, I think they were gentlemen like, and they were, hey, oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Two, <laughs> two lawmen. Cowboys. Uh, sorry. So Big Nose, so the, the gang split up and, and each member went their own way. Big Nose hid in Montana. And one night while in Miles City, Big Nose drunkenly began to boast of the attempted robbery and murders in Wyoming. A telegraph was quickly sent to Wyoming, and soon enough, Big Nose was on a train back to Wyoming to stand trial. He was found guilty by the court and sentenced to hang. He attempted to escape, but was unsuccessful. Which is actually kind of a funny story, so he, he, he hit the jailer in the head... And tried to make it out the door, and the sure, jailer yeah, bonked him. Yeah, he yeah, bonked yeah, him he, on the he head. Like, genuinely he, bonked him on the head. Yeah, and, and the, he the, tried to he escape. He fell over, and he looked up, and there were little birds yeah. tweeting around his head. Sure, uh, I know how and, this works. And uh, as he was going to escape, the jailer's wife was coming to bring the jailer food, and she stopped him at gunpoint and put him back in his cell. Sure, right, because cartoon logic mm-hmm. is the entire thing this story is run on. When word got out of his attempted escape, however, the people were furious. A group of vigilantes formed a mob, and they stormed the jail with the intent to lynch Big Nose. 
They dragged him from the cell and took him to a telephone pole, where 200 people gathered and watched as the vigilante severely botched the first two attempts. All right, kids, put your fancy clothes on. We're going to go see a man get hung to death. Oh, we've talked about this in the Alfred Packard series. Yeah. But just, they, people were so bored. They just were they so were fucking so bored. bored. They would just watch. And not even the people who were watching the hanging, <clears throat> but the people who were like, let's go hang him mm-hmm. for what? Attempting to break out of prison? That seems like that a That man wants to be free. Thing. Fuck him, you know? Yeah, well, I'll be damned if he gets out under our watch. Let's fucking kill him. It's like, wait, why? What? But on the third attempt... Big nose hung from his neck until he died. I thought you were going to say nose. <laughs> that would have been Probably good. Big ass nose. The body was left hanging for hours before the town executioner found it and cut it down. A bit late, Mr. Executioner. A bit late. Not really. because I'm, su- said- I'm kind of surprised that they didn't wake up the town executioner and say, do you want to do this? Well, legally, he probably can't. If he's got legal status they of executioner, never, he can't... They never held any of these people accountable. Well, yeah, because none of them were... Uh, none of them were legal. Like, it's like... A, it'd be like if a... Imagine, Jose, imagine if a crime were being committed. A heinous oh, atrocity we were being committed. And oh, the people yeah. responsible were just standing around... For and, 45 minutes outside? Yeah, yeah, it'd be like, that would be uncool. Right. And it would just be uncool if they went against their, like, mm-hmm. natural job and what they were supposed to Well, it's to actually... Do. So, actually, Mason, they wouldn't be going against their natural job because, uh, according to uh, Justice Scalio, the guy who's trying to overturn Roe v. Wade, uh, sure. police don't have a constitutional uh, requirement to defend and protect. So, it's technically not even in their job description. Well, and also that lady left that door open, which she didn't, Which by she the way. didn't because the police are trying to cover their tracks. It's super fun. I love it. But let's give them millions of dollars every year. Fuck I, you, Greg Abbott. Listen, I can, there's not a lot of stuff I can say on this podcast right now that won't get me in trouble. With no family to claim the body, however, it became property of the state and was handed over to doctors Thomas McGee and John Osborne. Also present. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly. You know when it cuts in a movie to like the laboratory and it's like, and it's like outside the lab of John Osborne and Thomas McGee. Who us? You'd like us to take the body? Okay. Yes. 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 McGee, ready the table. Oh, yes, master. I met a guy the other day. I was working a wedding, and I met a man by the name of Igor, and I thought he was kidding. <laughs> I that's did cool. not believe it. He, that's, that's I was like, cool sorry, name. what's your name, man? He's like, oh, yeah, my name is Igor. And I was like. Oh, did he sound he, he was like, like Eastern Igor. European. Okay. So that's I was like, sense, it's it fine. It makes sense. But I was also like, that shouldn't be your name. He wasn't like me being like, hey, how's it going? My yeah, name's my Igor. Name's Igor. No, he nice was, to meet you. My God, he was the most interesting Eastern. He was very Eastern European. I'll just say, you know, sure. like the like the very like jolly Eastern European kind yeah. of stereotype. This guy, one hundred percent. Like, yes, yes, my friend, yes. Exactly. The, yeah. the the couple were like, so what do we do next? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, first off, don't say that. I'm like, don't tell the couple that you don't know what you're doing at their wedding. Like, that's a big no no. <laughs> I'm just here to have fun. Also present was Miss Lillian Heath, Osborne's fifteen year old assistant. Uh, Hello, Miss Heath. You are 15. Yes. And you are here. Shall we cut up the body now? Ooh. 
Okay. I've gotten my knife. Yeah, she kind of, we're going to get into the, some of the stuff that she did later on, and it's like, she definitely was, was kind of into it, into the whole mad scientist stuff. Sources differ as to whether or not the remains were actually given to the doctors, if, or if the pair stole them from his burial site. We'll never tell. The two doctors set out to study the outlaw's brain in the hopes of discovering a difference between his brain and that of a normal law-abiding citizen. Oh, this one's got crime written on it. (laughs) (laughs) After crudely sawing the skullcap off... Dr. McGahey, remind me again. Which brain was which? I seem to mislabeled the jars. Ugh. I'm assuming he's just like an Igor type and he's just he just doesn't say much. I'm on so much opium. <laughs> so after crudely sawing off the skull cab, the doctors could find no discernible difference. Mmm, this one's just as gross. Well, well, that was a waste of time. They're both pink and squishy. And I don't like it. My- my notes say, ew. I wrote gross. Yeah. <laughs> Osborne would go on to mold the death mask of George's face with no ears, as they had been torn off during the botched lynching attempts. Osborne would then go on to remove the skin from the dead man's thighs and chest, which he sent to a tannery in Denver with the instructions to make him a pair of shoes and a medicine bag. Do you think there's enough for both? I think they'd go well together. Yes. Yeah. Oddly enough, the tannery complied and sent Osborne his items in due time. Hey, um, Ted, we just got this order here. Um, yeah. This looks like human skin, right? Uh, let me, let me see this. Uh... Dear Misters, I have sent you the skin of. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No. This is. Uh, this is. Uh, this is a man's skin. Uh, and There's it a says. Freckle. I can see a. Yeah. So there's, right there. here are the nipples. I don't know if you can see them. Uh, oh. It says here we're supposed to make shoes and a bag out of this. I'm gonna be honest with you. Most people might say that ethically speaking, we should not do this. However. We either do this or we go home early. Look, I drew this picture so, and I just need you. All mm. I need you to tell me right now is I've got these two these two mock-ups. And I'm, what I'm asking is nipples mm-hmm. or no nipples? Nipples would be tasteless, right? So let's do no nipples. Well, we want it to be classy. Actually, they do have taste. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> oh. No. Yeah, that's not what I meant. Gotcha. So uh, no nipples. No, no, for no, sure, no, no nipples? nipples. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. Osborne. What were you saying about ethics or... I don't know. I, I don't just, remember. I drew. Look how good this bag See, is. See, I, I, I saw, I read the rest of the note, and he said how much he was paying us, and then my eyes became dollar signs. I and saw my that. Face you did like a little turned into a wolf. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and yeah. I, I howled, yeah. I so, remember. Yeah. Osborne is said to have been disappointed that they had not used the man's nipples on the shoes, but he still Bummer. wore them proudly. proudly. <laughs> oh, man. They didn't put the nipples on the front of the shoes. I was hoping I could use them as like a little tie and I could tie things around them. Huh? Yes. I was hoping they would be the clasp on the medicine bag. 
The, <laughs> the rest of George's body was kept in a whiskey barrel filled with salt solution for about a year. While our- sure, that'll do it. <laughs> it's called science. Read it in a book. Uh, while Osborne continued his experiments. And also, I like the McGee just sort of let this happen. It doesn't seem like he was involved. He just kind of was like, yeah, use my office space for this. It's fine. I was going to say, do you think McGee was just like doing paperwork like a normal doctor? Mm-hmm. He was just like. Mm-hmm. And Osborne's like, McGee, McGee, look at this. I've taken the man's ear. I've taken the man's nose now. Oh, yeah. And as you can see, I've turned it into a hand sanitizer disposer. Look at this, you <laughs> squeeze it and the hands out, it just comes out of, out of the nostrils. <laughs> that, uh, that is very comical, Osborne. I've made marbles out of his eyes. Well, you know, that's fun, but honestly, I, I, got, I am slamming and paperwork right now. you're gonna so. love this. Oh, his penis okay. is now a book stop. You put it on either side of the book to keep it from... It kind of just still looks like a penis. It's still a penis. I've just filled it with lead. So less you filled up the lead, a penis with lead, and more you've put penis skin on a lead pipe. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, honestly, <laughs> it's, great, it's great working with. And he's doing like, there. oh, Scooby Doo, when did you get here? Right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know he's like hunched over like yeah, the Jack yeah. the Ripper. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then one day he buried the remains in the yard behind Doctor McGee's office. Hey, Osborne, what are you uh? What are you doing back there? Mm, me? I'm just burying my dear friend, Big Nose Barrett. <laughs> you just gonna do it in my yard? You don't think he that- started to smell? Oh. And I wanted my barrel back to keep things in. Hmm. I've been getting into pickling things recently. Cool. I was thinking that this would make good fertilizer for the cucumbers. Osborne would go on to be elected the first Democratic governor of Wyoming in 1892. Later becoming... What a fucking crazy twist! <laughs> later becoming Assistant Secretary of State under President Woodrow Wilson. Somewhere along the line... How long did he wear the human he shoes? He wore the human shoes at the governor's ball. When he was elected, proudly being like, these are, yes, these are the shoes made of big nose George Barrett. Hey, do you think it's kind of bullshit that the governor keeps talking about his human shoes? I mean, we all have human skin shoes when we take our shoes and socks off. No, he's got like shoes made of, of like another human's skin. That'd be, but that'd be, that'd be crazy for us to elect a man who had human shoes as governor. Sure would, but it's... (laughs) Look around. Life isn't that good. Look at my feet. I'm going to do a dance. He's like doing that like high step dance with like the top hat, but he's kicking his feet up in everybody's face. Somewhere along the line, the skull cap was given to Miss Heath, who would go on to become the first female doctor in the state of Wyoming, often using the skull cap as an ashtray or as a doorstop in her office. I love that. Look, and I get that he was a criminal, but I just love that they were like, respect this man? No, sir. I don't have... The skin thing is weird just because it's weird to have human skin. I'd have a human bone uh, accoutrement around my home with zero ethical problem. I once found a toddler's jawbone for sale for 370 It was old. It was old. I didn't buy it. It was $375, so it was too much. But if, uh, I mean, I would have. <coughs> what? 
Did you know it's illegal to sell and buy bones, technically? And then he just... Uh, but you didn't buy it, I guess. No, I'm not even talking about just human uh, bones. Re- regular bones, bones, really? Yeah. Hmm. The story of Big Nose ends on May 11th, 1950, when construction workers unearth his remains from the whiskey barrel. Heath's skull cap I'm sorry, is brought he in... buried him in the barrel? Mm-hmm. He just kicked the barrel into yeah, the Yeah, yeah, pretty ground. much. Heath's skull cap was brought in, and it fit just right. DNA would also <laughs> verify the remains were those of... They put them together like a puzzle piece? Yeah, they were like, oh... Do you think it was like, yeah, like it clicked on and yeah. they're like, oh, Eureka. Oh. Uh, so the the DNA would also verify that the remains were those of Big Nose George and his death mask and shoes are now on display at the Carbon County Museum in Rawlings, Wyoming. That's cool. That's a cool story. Yeah. God, that's cool. I love, I assume that the governor was just like the president from uh, Gravity Falls. Yes, that one, yeah. You know, yeah. where he was just like, the ninth I and a half. a man as a shoe. Yeah, the ninth and a half president. President, yeah. yes. Well, moving on to the big sky country, Montana. When Montana sings, I hear the tune. The melody comes back to mind. When she sings, the soft winds call. Phantom Hitchhikers perhaps one of the most often repeated urban legends out there. Apparitions that startle drivers into their deaths or ask them for a ride only to give them a fright when they seemingly vanish into thin air upon arriving at their destination, which is usually a cemetery. But so few of these ghoulish vagabonds are ever seen replaying their deaths. So few seem to attack the car they're trying to flag down. And this is where this next legend comes in. Just outside of Great Falls, Montana, is Black Horse Lake, where drivers swear they encounter a ghostly specter while driving along the way. The legend says that this says that while driving down the road, you may find yourself gazing upon a tall Native American man with long black hair dressed in a denim jacket and jeans. When drivers approach the figure, he suddenly vanishes, before reappearing right in front of the car just when it's too late to hit the brakes. The hitchhiker rolls onto the windshield with a heavy thud and falls over the hood of the car onto the asphalt ahead. When drivers hurry out of their vehicles to investigate, they find nothing. Absolutely nothing. No blood, no body, no dents or scratches. Nothing but an unsettling feeling in the pit of their stomach that they should leave. There are many theories as to what this specter is, with some speculating that he was a traveling man, struck and left to die by a hit-and-run driver, while others are a bit more imaginative, theorizing that perhaps this man is of blood and bone, but is simply stuck in a never-ending loop, some sort of time paradox, like Happy Death Day, dying over and over again for all eternity. He just wakes up right before a car comes, so he's like, oh, no, and then it's <laughs> yeah. just over again, you know? Yeah. And then he's, now he's just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Regardless of what the answer is, what do you think, Mason? Spooky or kooky? It's a little light in the loafers as far as details go, but I uh, it is yeah. kind of fun. It's a kind of a fun twist that you actually hit him every time, and then yeah, that would scare me. Is if yeah, because I'm because then something, and then you get out, and it's like what the fuck? That yeah. would be 
Um, That'd be very scary. I yeah yeah. I think it's spooky in that sense too. That it's like you see him, and you're like, is that somebody walking? And then boom, and you're like, oh shit, oh no. And then you get yeah, out, and you're like, yeah. oh great, I'm going to jail. I killed someone, and then there's no one there. And then you're kind of like, am I fucking? Am I unpunked? Is Ashton Kutcher gonna come out? Like, what's? Is Ashton Kutcher dead? Did I kill? Did Ashton I kill Kutcher? Ashton Kutcher? Oh no, he's one of the only few Iowan celebrities. Yes, yes. Uh, Jason Momoa. Yeah. Yeah. Slipknot. Yeah. Uh, Captain John Wayne. No. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but you don't really want. John Wayne. Yeah, I'd rather have John Wayne Gacy. Yes. I'm just kidding. That's no. that's not true. Yeah. They're equally bad. Introducing the rugged new Montana from Pontiac. It's the only minivan with seating for eight. Life is more exciting in Montana. If there's a body of water, you can bet that someone around swears there's a monster within it. And this is precisely the case with our next legend, the legend of the Flathead Lake Monster. It begins in 1889 with Captain James C. Kerr, who claimed... Mm-hmm. That's almost copyright infringement. Almost, huh? Almost. Who claimed... That's like, a, that's like the ripoff of Star Trek. <laughs> like Captain James C. Kerr. Kerr. Uh... Spork. <laughs> Get to the deck. Anyway, Captain James C. Kirk of the USS no, no, Kirk, Enterprise. Not Kirk. Sorry, Captain James C. Kerr of the USS Industry. Uh, no. Yeah, he, he claimed that he and his 100 passengers all spotted the monster in the water while on the steamboat, the U.S. Grant. However, legends point to the story of the Flathead Lake monster going back to the early days of the Kootenai tribe, who spoke of it centuries ago. The Kootenai legend goes like this. The first native tribe in the area lived on an island in the middle of the lake. One winter, while crossing the frozen lake to move camp, two girls saw antlers approximately two feet in length sticking out of the ice. The girls, in their curiosity, tried to pull the antlers out but could not. As they continued their attempt, the antlers suddenly began to shake. The ice around the antlers then gave way and the head of a monster rose from the icy waters. The beast shook its antlers at the frightened girls who, uh, the story goes on to say, used their special powers to um, transform into a ball and a buckskin target to escape the monster. Uh, But half of the tribe would end up drowning when the ice broke, which is supposed to be the reason there are so few Kootenai people. Uh, kind of lost it at the end there, a little bit. I'm sorry, the Wonder Twins? Yes. 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 They, because they had the, they touched the mm-hmm. rings, and then they'd say, shape of, and then they'd turn into things equally dumb <laughs> as a ball and buckskin, <laughs> that, which, why would that help you escape a monster? You can roll, I guess, fast? Well, one of them can. Yeah. Well, if you what turn the, the other buckskin? one on this, it's a buckskin target. So I'm assuming it's... Yeah, I'm not really sure, actually. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say that to me like that's an explanation. Like, oh, it's a buck, it's a buckskin target. Like, oh, I'm the fucking idiot. <laughs> fucking, well, that doesn't make any sense. 
I guess you're right. It doesn't. Um, I, I guess I need to see what a buckskin target looks like. It'd be like us running away, and I'm like, shape of broom. And then the broom <laughs> just like fall, does that thing where it falls over, and it's like... It's like flopping, and you're like trying to move, is it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure here. Um, You'd pick something like a unicycle, which admittedly, when you're running away from something, is more helpful than a broom, but it's still not as helpful as a lot of other things you could be. I would just turn into like something that could fly. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, anyway. Or just something with legs. Like a human being <laughs> that could run away from something would be more helpful than a ball or a target. A target seems like the worst idea to be. You're a fucking target. <laughs> Unless they thought that, like, the monster was like, oh, those aren't humans. Yeah, maybe. Don't need to attack them. Yeah. And then... Uh... Anyway, this lake monster is described as a large eel-shaped creature. Round with a wavy body, 20 to 40 feet in length, with brown, blue, or black skin uh, and grayish black eyes. If you ask the people around town, they will all certainly have a story to share about Flessy, as it's referred to. But only. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck off, Montana. Fuck you guys. Fucking that Flessy. <sighs> That's garbage. It's That's not very trash. good. I'm sorry, but it's not very good. But only one seems to have made its way online, describing how a three-year-old boy fell into the water while playing near the lake. His family searched for him but could not find him. Later in the day, the boy miraculously appeared down the shoreline. When the boy's mother asked him how he had managed to make it out of the water, the boy simply looked at his mother and said, The flathead monster lifted me up. Now, it might be easy to dismiss this as another Loch Ness monster ripoff, but the people of the area truly... Ooh, Flessy? <laughs> the Loch Ness monster ripoff? You're the joking. Loch Ness, they call it. No, the Loch Fless monster. Yeah, so the people in the area truly believe in this creature, with more than 109 sightings being reported, and, thir and 13 in 1990 alone. Paul Flugelberg, a Flugelberg, a retired newspaper editor, says that while editor of the Flathead Courier, 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 it's Courier, Courier, right? yeah, it's Courier. Author Dorothy M. Johnson, then secretary of the Montana Press Association, advised him not to treat sightings lightly, saying it should not be done tongue in cheek as there were eyewitnesses who were terrified, genuinely scared by what they believed they had seen, and they did not find the reporting being done funny at all. So what do you think, Mason? Spooky or kooky? I can't get over that they turned into a target in a ball. Uh, look, dude, I mean, that's the thing is, like, early people, like, First Nation people, a lot of, like, early folklore is like this, where it's, like, it's real good, and you're like, oh, and then it's like, and then they transformed into a dung beetle, and you're like, what? How's that? How did we get a here? A dung beetle would have made sense, though, because they're yeah, at least small. Yeah, it would small. have, I guess. I, a ball, I just don't, I don't know. Like, like I read another ball? one, right? It, I, I, I don't know. Yes, I'm assuming... I guess it would have to be, but I still don't understand the target. Even if they're sentient. I don't understand being a target. I don't understand how that saves <laughs> I you. I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I don't know. I think I it's kooky, think though. I think it's kooky. Flathead I, monster, I just... It bad. sounds like a cool design. I like that it has antlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do but like But even that. that doesn't entirely make sense, because if it was like an aquatic, aquatic creature that it, evolved yeah. from over a period of time, it would not have antlers. No. But look at me dragging science into Flessy. Yeah. 
So kooky. Uh, Moving Flessy on. Flessy reminds me. Do you know that new um, uh, that new Lizzo song where she says Balenciosis? Um, yeah, Balenci- that I, yeah. For some reason, Flessy just feels like that's a part of that, and I don't know why. She would say, yeah. yeah. Feeling Flessy in my Balenciosis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we are Montana. We are big skies with bigger adventures. Forgetting spectacularly lost and finding yourself. There's an area in Montana known as Bear Canyon. Sure. The area began to boom in the 1800s thanks to the Cooper Sawmill, and in the 1940s even saw the creation of a downhill ski area. This area is by many accounts a beautiful area to picnic, camp, or take a hike in. But women should be wary of that last one. In recent years, there have been, I mean, women should always be weary of... I was going to say, Jose, Anywhere, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's the world that we live in. Wish we could change it. Maybe we are, but I don't know. Yeah, okay, white knight. Ugh. <laughs> Date Fucking, me, ladies. Look at me. Yeah. Pick me. Ugh. Pick me. Pick me. Yeah. I'm an alpha male. Uh, <laughs> oh. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad that there's a there's a I you know we talked about this but that fucking filter that had up gave some everybody a beard and a in a, in a septum piercing and yeah. everybody was like this is what every white podcaster looks like and I'm like fuck you guys yeah. okay it's not it wasn't yeah. me I didn't I there's not a lot of septum piercings around here right. in Iowa okay mm-hmm. it's not my fault yeah fuck damn it. Yeah. <gasps> you're cool to me buddy God. who cares I don't care anymore. People are like, oh, you're following trends. You. And I'm like, I like dressing. You've surpassed me. Kevin Gates said your earring was cool. Kevin Gates did tell me my earring was cool the other day. I can't believe I didn't say this on the podcast. but That's uh, true. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. Kevin, if you're listening, and I know you probably are, I've been having this argument with people for several years now, ever since the, your song Two Phones came out. In that song, you say that you have two phones, one for the bitches and one for the low that you have two more, one for the pushing and one for something else. I don't really remember the exact words. The point is, you say you have four phones, and then you say, I think I need two more, which, for other reasons, I don't remember. The point is, in that song, you're saying you need six phones. Everybody else argues with me that you're saying you need four phones, but you don't. You need six. I'm agreeing with you. That sounds like he needs six phones. He says, I need two phones, one for A and one for B. I have two phones, one for C and one for D. think I need two more. Jose, mm-hmm. two more. That's yeah. six phones total. Six ask phones. him. G- text Kevin and to ask him that. Next time he's in the six. hotel, I'm going to be like, so do you need six phones? I, please do. Mm. I would love to get clarification yeah. on this issue. In recent it's years. It's plagued my family. <laughs> I can't go to holidays anymore. Didn't your dad leave because of this? Yeah, he's yeah. an advent four-phone believer. Wow. I'm so sorry. He's a four, he's a four phone truthist. No, Truther. no. Yeah, I know. It's so sad. <laughs> it's a bummer. Yeah. He posts a bunch of memes on Facebook. About <laughs> it. It's like fucking libtards. Be like Kevin Gates only has needs six phones. Shit like that. It's like a minion. With yeah, like, yeah. With like a, he's like sad. It's fuck. It's fucked up. God, fucking oh, the minion memes, man. Uh, in recent years, there's been a story floating. Or we need to make minion memes for this podcast. We need mm. to start doing that. I don't even, yeah. I'm going to have to start like, listening to old ones and pulling lines and being like, liberals be like, and then it'll be like a quote from the podcast. So you're telling me that... They turn into a ball uh, and like skin target. Kids these days be like, 
Dog they don't even kids these days don't know don't know how to don't know how to run away from monsters. All they know is how to turn into balls and buckskin targets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck yeah. In recent years, there has been a story floating around of a strange paranormal occurrence in Bear Canyon. Many women who have visited the era area report seeing a little girl. Innocent-looking, emerging from the woods, asking people for help or assistance. She insists that the women follow her, and if they do, they will be led deep into the forest, only to realize that the little girl has vanished, and they're far off the trail. It's not clear what the intentions of this apparition are, whether it is simply a mischievous spirit or a darker entity seeking to hurt the women it lures into its trap. Other visitors to the park claim to have seen a strange mist, and the Bozeman Paranormal Society claims to have paranormal experiences when they investigate the area, with some female members saying that they have heard a little girl calling them by name. Something strange seems to be definitely afoot in Bear Canyon. What it is, only time will tell. Just like Mason will tell us if he thinks our final legend is spooky or kooky. I think that's actually very spooky. I think it's very spooky. I ha- I wish it was scary. more. I hate yeah. that it's like so well, short. It's, it's nice because it's so open for interpretation. Because yes. immediately it's like, oh, some little girl got abandoned in that park and died. And then yeah. now to get revenge, she lures women to their deaths and yeah. makes them get lost. Boom. Done. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think it's uh, either way. You know, whether it is like a little girl who is lost and then it's luring women uh, or it's like something masking itself as a little girl to lure women. I don't know. I don't like it. Well, because it's just such a thing of like, I just like, yeah, I'll, like if a girl comes out of the woods crying, it's like, oh shit, yeah, I'll, oh fuck. Yeah. You know, like, thank God. Another thank God I'm a man. Right. <laughs> Tell you what, you know what I don't have to worry about is getting lured into the woods by a crying girl. So, hashtag manly things. Only, the only perk of being a straight white man is that. There's mm-hmm. none others. Yeah. No. You guys are victimized also, I would say. Overly. I mean, I'll clearly we're a minority in that everybody is trying to eradicate us from existence. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I've got a, you know, my girlfriend has, she's she's got some Latin blood in her and it's like, uh, am I a traitor? Yes. Because so, normally I can see him when he makes noises, so this time I couldn't, and I'm like, what the fuck? Zuko, I thought it was my stomach here. for a second. I was like, is that my fucking tummy rumbling? Zuko, get out of here. Ow. Stop. All right, all right. Zuko, we'll wrap it. We'll wrap Jesus. this up just for him. All right, Zuko wants us to wrap it up, so with that, it's time to wrap this show up. If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify. We'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review. Plus, it really helps the show, and we're gonna we'll read your review on the show because, like, we're gonna do right now. Uh, we've got a review here from Jose J F J C H S J A K R J, who writes, and this is not me, by the way. I, I shouldn't <laughs> oh, have nice said that. Co- good cover, Jose. <laughs> well done. It genuinely isn't. But they write ten stars. Amazing chemistry between the hosts makes the comedy funnier than usual. Amazing job getting as many details as possible for each episode. Definitely a lot of passion and hard work goes into making each episode and it shows. Thanks, Jose J. And what a cool name. At least that, that first bit. Yeah. 
You must be very proud of yourself. Uh, it you wasn't me. You, I, uh huh. It wasn't you. We all, uh, we all see you, name. and we all love you. You can support the show by going to Patreon.com/backslash/CaptainsLogCast and donate a dollar. Anything helps keep the light. Keeps the lights. Scott keeps the lights on. Another thing, keep it in. Another thing you could do to help the show and yourself is to go over to T Public and shop our merch. Click the link in our show notes and grab yourself anything from a t-shirt or a mug or a sticker or a hat. Uh, there's we have hats. koozies, uh, temporary tattoos, permanent tattoos, um, yeah. branded sunglasses, mm-hmm. um, and nipple rings. These are all there, folks. Remember, if you yes. donate slash support our sponsors, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, etc., Mason, where can these fine listeners of ours find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mason Schrader. And you can follow me. I mostly post on Instagram stuff, but not even a lot anymore. And I still haven't tweeted. Hmm. Well, you can follow... Because fuck Elon Musk. Yeah, well, he's not going to go through with the purchase. I'm going to say, first off, fucking who called not using Twitter? It was me. You're right. Okay, I was right all along. I hate it. Every time I get on it, I get real bummed. I know. Well, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at j.valle underscore junior and the show on Twitter and Instagram at Captain's Log Pod. We recommend various different materials on there, post show updates, post some occasionally funny things, so go check it out. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Valle Jr., Animal Productions, and of course the show's official YouTube channel, Captain's Log. If you can't get enough of me, you can also listen to my other podcast with friend of the log, Max Benyon, called Max and Jose Have Something to say uh make sure to tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it and if you like to share your opinion on our urban legends um or you have some insight or you you think we didn't cover some or you think we covered too many you want to explain the buckskin thing to us that would be great and yeah. all thing yeah um anyway please do so by writing into captainslogcast at gmail.com you can also suggest episode topics guests you'd like to have back, etc. Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and any other podcast directory. I think as of this last week, we are now on Podchaser and iHeartRadio and Samsung something, whatever the Samsung thing is. So go check us out. Hell yeah, Samsung something. Hey, what's Samsung? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Carlos Rivera for composing our show's theme. With that, everybody, we have reached the end of our show. We will see you soon for another special episode uh, for part two of our Ted the Caver creepypasta lost log. That's what's going to be next. I have been your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by... Jose Valle Buckskin Target Jr. Joined by Mason the Ball Schrader. I don't like that I'm the Buckskin First officer, Mason, why? Because it sucks. It doesn't make any sense. You've, you, that was your captain, Jose the Ball Valle Jr., joined by First Officer Mason Buckskin Target. That feels weird for me to be that, though. Yeah, it does, it does, it does. Yeah. I don't like calling myself Buckskin. buckskin. I don't no, like no. that. Anyway. M- Mason <laughs> the Target Schrader. There we go. And this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission. Beep boop target noises.